It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Quick pass to Crowder trying to get him out of the space. Slopes a tackle, and there he goes. Crowder, it's a foot race, and Crowder is in there. A 69-yard touchdown. Takes a shot. Here's Corey Davis, wide open. Davis. Still going, and he's in for the touchdown. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the q Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And we're recapping OTAs. And so to talk about what went down at Florham Park today, our friend covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com, Mr. Andy Vasquez. Andy, what's going on, sir? Scott, how's it going? Another uh, another practice in the books and another day closer to meaningful football. Indeed, although I will say, Andy, the last time we spoke, we both said fans shouldn't freak out. Just because Becton wasn't there doesn't necessarily mean that he's dealing with an injury. Guess what? We found out today he's dealing with an injury. Yeah, I mean, look, if I say don't freak out, it probably doesn't mean that. Uh, or if I say anything definitively at this time of year, it's usually going to be disproven within a matter of 48 hours, <laughs> as you'll see will be a working theme today. So, um, yeah, sorry about that, guys. He is dealing with an injury, and it is something that you should be concerned about, and I'm sure we'll get into that in a moment. Plantar fasciitis for Mackay Becton and Robert Sala hinted that there might be deeper issues there. Yeah. So basically Mackay Becton was at practice, the first OTA practice, and he has been at the facility for all the practices, but the jets have been keeping him inside because in that first practice, uh, he had some pain in his foot and the jets basically decided to shut him down. Now, Robert Sala reiterated over and over not over and over, but a couple times that he doesn't think this is a big deal. He said, I don't think this is a big deal, but look, Makai Becton is a large man. And when a large man is dealing with a foot problem, it is both literally and figuratively a big deal because, you know, even Quinn and Williams, who's a much smaller guy, we saw what can happen with, with feet, with, with larger men. And it's, it's an issue. So, um, there is no such thing as a, as a small foot problem for, for a guy like Mackay Becton. And then when you start stacking up some of the issues that he had that cost him three games last year, and then, you know, the half of, of another three or four games, it, it's a, it's a trend that's a little bit disturbing. And Salah was asked specifically if, if Becton's size and, and weight is something that could be contributing to this. And if dropping off some of that weight, could be useful to him and basically Beck or, or excuse me, basically Sala said that, yeah, he hinted that he could be in better shape and, and that's something that he needs to get better at. I'm just going to read Sala's direct quote and you guys can interpret it however you will. But, but this is what he said when asked about if dropping a few pounds would help Beckton. He said, it's every player. Think about it. Their body is their moneymaker. And the amount of investment that you put in your body is the amount that will give back. So it's that part of the learning progression of young men. They've got to learn to take care of their bodies. 
They've got to learn how to take care of their bodies. Uh, they've got to learn how to eat right, work out right, rest right, regenerate, stay hydrated, all those different things that lead to longevity in this league. And Makai is one of those. He's a young man, a very talented young man. He's a very large young man. And he's learning every day on what it takes to be a professional and how to take that next step. So we've got a lot of faith in him. He's doing all the right things right now. We're excited to get him to training camp and get to, and to get to work with him. So a, a couple of things that I took away from that are, it, it seems like there's a chance that we won't see Makai Becton again until training camp. And um, also, I mean, Sala basically said that he needs to be in better shape. And Makai Becton has said before at, coming into the league when weight was a concern. And then several times last year, he said that he wanted to keep his weight down. It's obviously something he has not been able to do now. I don't want to, you know, use my eyes to judge this situation, but I can just say seeing him on the sideline today, it doesn't look like he's dropped weight. So, um, and it's, it is a concern moving forward. I don't want to body shame the guy or anything, but, you know, it, it's a, it's a concern and, and just because, you know, physics, I mean, you, the heavier he is, he's going to put more stress on the joints of, of his body, uh, all over his body and especially on his legs. And the fact that he's dealing with uh, this problem right now, a, a problem that can become chronic. Robert Sala can say it's not a big deal and, and that the Jets expect him to be okay. And, and that may be the case for right now, but if something doesn't change, uh, these issues are probably going to keep cropping up. So, um, you know, there's still time before we get to training camp for Mikai Becton to, to do that. And the Jets are confident he is. And every indication is that he's a guy who's going to work hard and, and do what it takes to, to get these things right. But he hasn't been able to do it so far. He's still, he's still young uh, and there's time to do it, but it's something that he needs to do. And, and it's, and it's probably something that he's going to need to do if he's going to stay on the field consistently for the Jets and, and be the kind of player that he showed he can be at times last year. I would say that there's but, more to the story with Makai Becton than meets the eye. And there's also more to the story with Jamison Crowder than meets the eye. He wasn't there today and it wasn't just because he decided to take a day off for his health. Yeah. So Robert Sala was asked about Jamison Crowder and why he wasn't there and the, the expected answer, or at least the answer that I expected would have been these things are voluntary and he doesn't have to be here. But instead, Robert Sala said that Crowder is working through some contract stuff with, with general manager, Joe Douglas. And, you know, the only interpretation of that is that the jets are trying to get him to take a pay cut because Crowder is under contract for, I think, 11.4 million in 2021 so the jets are trying to get him to take a pay cut because why else would they be working uh his contract it, it wouldn't make sense to offer him an extension at this point um heading into a, a contract year they wouldn't have the leverage so it, it makes sense to renegotiate the contract and i see it like he probably isn't worth 11 million dollars given his production i mean he did lead the team in touchdowns 
the last two years, touchdown receptions and touchdown catches. But I mean, it's not like anybody was lighting it up and, he, and he's coming off a year where injuries uh, were an issue for him and he missed several games. So you can understand from the Jets standpoint and, and being a smart sound football team, why they would want to do this, but also they have plenty of cap space and, and they're a team that has made a habit under the Joe Douglas regime of, of kind of pissing off players too. So it, it's a balance there. They're not the Patriots yet. They don't have any sort of proven track record of success and, and making these emotionless decisions that are for the good of the football team aren't necessarily going to help them kind of build the culture and chemistry that they want to build just yet. So I think there's a balance there. I get why they would be trying to do it because if they want to, bring somebody else in this would give them more space to do it even though they have more than 25 million dollars of cap space right now um and it also it gives them more room next year to roll over the cap space as as we all know because that's what you can do in the nfl but it's kind of a delicate balance because crowder is an important part of this this team moving forward and robert sala even said today that he expects Crowder to be back on the field soon and absolutely expects him to be on the roster this fall and play an important role on the team. And, and it really checks out if you look at the Jets roster because, you know, they're one injury away from really not having very many proven receivers out on the field. So it, it's a balance. And, and they, I think they do need Jamison Crowder, even though uh, some people may not think that. I think they still need to keep him around just because they don't have a ton of depth at wide receiver. And, and you don't want to get in a situation like you were in last year where one, one or two guys go down and then you're throwing out Vincent Smith and Jeff Smith and, or some other Smith out there who isn't the kind of weapon that you want for your, your quarterback who's developing. So it's a it's a delicate balance, but I, I can see why Joe Douglas would want to get Jamison Crowder in at a better price. Uh, and I could also see why Jamison Crowder would have no interest in doing that. So I think it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But I would be surprised if Crowder and the Jets didn't come to some sort of an agreement moving forward. But we'll see what happens. Speaking of contracts, Michael Carter, the fourth round pick running back out of North Carolina, signed his rookie contract today, four years, $4.29 million, $807,000 signing bonus. That's the slotted amount. The only three left now are the top three picks that the Jets made, Zach Wilson, Elijah Vera Tucker, and Elijah Moore. Yeah, and this is all kind of expected. It's not... uh that big of a deal that those three guys aren't under contract yet They're especially with the first round picks, there's some offset language and usually that takes a while to get done. I, I would, uh, you know, I think the only one where there could potentially be an issue is with Wilson, just because of the nature of quarterbacks and, and how high those picks are. But and the jets just went through this a couple of years ago with Sam Darnold and he ended up missing, I think one practice. Um, I would be surprised if it got to that point with Wilson, but we've got, we've got some time before training camp and um, I don't think there's any reason to be thinking about it or worried about it until we get, uh, you know, within a week of training camp. And then, then if you want to be concerned about it, that's when you can be concerned about it. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Let's talk about the practice itself, and we'll start with Zach Wilson. Bit of an uneven day for the rookie. Yeah, again, another uneven day, and and these things are to be expected. You have to remember that the defense is also learning and becoming more comfortable doing what it's doing as well. And defensive coordinator Jeff Ulbrich said that today, that in the first red zone periods in practice on Tuesday, they weren't as comfortable, and, and the offense kind of capitalized on that. And we saw Zach Wilson have a really nice practice in terms of getting the ball into the end zone in those red zone situations. Today, it started out that way. I think in the first seven and seven period, Zach Wilson went five for five, but he struggled in that second seven on seven period and, and I think threw an interception and almost had another pass picked off uh, and, and just wasn't as consistent. And as the defense is getting better and, and Wilson is seeing things and, and throwing against defenders who are faster and, and more perceptive than anything he ever faced in college he's going to have to learn and adjust too. And I think next week when you see him in a red zone situation, you'll see some progress there. So no reason for alarm. He still looks like a guy who's confident and comfortable under center, who's making sure decisions. It's just uh, the decisions aren't necessarily the right ones at this point, but he's learning. So this is to be expected no reason for alarm overall. He's still showing that he can make some nice plays and seeing the field well. And and uh, let's see how he learns from the situation when he comes back next week. But, but yeah, it was – I would say it was probably his shakiest practice so far. But even with that being said, there there were some good moments and and he made some nice throws and – and continue to build chemistry with some of his receivers like Keelan Cole and Elijah Moore. And Denzel Mims, who played for the first time in OTAs. Yeah, so we found out why Denzel Mims was not practicing earlier this week, and it was because of a non-COVID-related illness, so not an injury, which is encouraging news moving forward. And he was out there, I believe, mostly working with the second team. I'm sure that's kind of just a thing that they're doing right now as they ease him in. Uh, But it'll be interesting to see how he does next week in the final week of OTA practices and and two weeks from now in mandatory minicamp when I think we'll get kind of the realest sense of where this team is moving forward. But obviously Denzel Mims showed that he can contribute on the highest level last year uh, with some of the catches he made and, and some of the things he did once he finally did get out there and and you just want to see him build on that. So this was the start of that, and it was it was good for the Jets, certainly, to see him back on the field. One player who made a nice play today in practice but then eventually ended up scaring the bejesus out of everybody was Ryan Griffin. Yeah, this, this was a the most memorable play of practice for me is uh, he came down with a catch in the end zone but then went directly into the pylon that holds up the the field goal post and it was a scary moment because it looked like he drove his shoulder right in there. And if his head had been over a few more inches, he would have, you know, gone head first with his head down into the, into the pylon. And that's, that's not uh, what you want to see. And, and there was a moment where like the music went down and everybody like got quiet. And I think Griffin was down there, like kind of checking himself to make sure everything was still in order and then he popped up and everybody clapped and it, it was fine. But yeah, it was just a reminder that even 
in a non-contact practice, football is a dangerous game, and and Ryan Griffin was lucky to get out of there seemingly no worse for the wear after making a pretty nice play. So, uh, yeah, definitely a, a harrowing moment at practice, but one that could have ended up much worse, and uh, I'm sure he's grateful for that. Offensively, as you said, nice day for Elijah Moore and Keelan Cole, as well as Ty Johnson. Yeah, Ty Johnson is a guy who obviously flashed a lot of athleticism and speed last year when he finally got the opportunity to do so. Uh, So I don't think you'll have to wait as long for him to get those chances. You're going to see him getting those chances uh, in training camp and and in the preseason, uh, not stuck behind Frank Gore. So, uh, yeah, that was that was a nice thing to see. I, again, I don't want to read. I, I feel like a broken record saying stuff like this, but it's hard for me to go overly hard on praise for a running back in a practice where nobody's getting hit. But, yeah, he's still very fast and, and still explosive and uh, had the opportunity today to get out there and make some plays. And, and he took advantage of that opportunity. Jabari Zuniga sighting today. Yeah, he had a sack, whatever that is, <laughs> which means he, you know, he got close to Zach Wilson and they blew the play dead because they don't want anybody touching Zach Wilson for obvious reasons. But yeah, he had a nice. Uh, he got into the backfield. Uh, I didn't see exactly how he got back there, but but made that happen and and uh, the defense obviously had had a better day than it had the last few practices. So that that's a reason to be encouraged. And, you know, you just got to think when this defensive line gets Quinn and Williams back and, and kind of is at full strength, what is that going to look like? And, and that's going to be exciting and something really I, that I'm super interested to see both how the defensive line and the defensive line that we talked to Jeff Ulbrich for the first time today, the defensive coordinator and one of the things that he said when talking about Carl Lawson and why Carl Lawson last year in Cincinnati had a lot of QB pressures, but not a lot of sacks. He didn't want to get specifically into Cincinnati's situation because he didn't know it well, but projecting forward with the jets, he projected that Lawson probably would have a chance to finish a lot of those plays more often this year, or that, the defense as a whole would finish a lot more of those plays just because the interior defensive line is so strong. And and if that's the case, quarterbacks aren't going to have the chance to step up and make plays. So that is something I'm really interested in seeing once we get into contact practices, is there going to be room for, for Zach Wilson when he's playing against the first team defense to step up in the pocket? And if not, uh, how, what kind of impact is that going to have on the edge rushers and and, and guys like Lawson and, and Zaniga and, and anybody else the Jets throw out there? So I think that's super interesting and, and something to look forward to once we get to the stage of real football. One player that Zach Wilson will have a tough time with unquestionably, in fact, he did so today, is C.J. Mosley. Hasn't played in two years, but it's encouraging that he looks so good in pass coverage already. Yeah, I would say that has to be one of probably the most exciting developments from this whole workout period for Jets fans is that 
CJ Mosley does not look like a guy who has been off the football field for two years. When in these team drills, he's, he's sharp, not just moving. Uh, he's, he seems to be moving well. He seems to be, he's always been a guy who read the, the offense well and kind of made up for whatever he lacked in, in speed by reading the play. And he's already seems to be back to that. But even before the play, he's just as engaged as we saw two years ago in training camp. And in that first game against Buffalo, he's calling out what he thinks is going to happen to his fellow defensive teammates. And that's something that, you know, Jared Davis said today that, that Mosley has been a a big help for him feeling more comfortable and that just a guy of Mosley's caliber being out there gives him confidence before the play that he's in the right spot. And so you're already seeing kind of the dy- dynamic between those two guys. They're, they're developing a partnership where it looks like Mosley is going to play on the inside and, and Davis is going to be a, a guy who plays one of the outside linebacker positions. But they, they are got, those are two guys who could have been competing for a job and, and still might, but they're already building a good rapport and, and, CJ Mosley has the ultimate street cred because he's played the game at the highest level and uh, his teammates clearly believe that he's capable of doing that again. Nobody wants to project what we're seeing right now without pads on into what it's going to look like once they actually do put them on because, you know, it's a different game, but everything you'd want to see at this stage, you're seeing from CJ Mosley. A lot of shuffling going on in the secondary, especially at the cornerback spot, makes sense because they don't have a lot of established talent there. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing a rotation basically, and you're seeing kind of everybody get a chance. And and yeah, I think that is to be expected at this point. And I think Robert Sala basically alluded to that when he said last week that this isn't this is why they're not bringing in a veteran cornerback right now. He didn't rule out doing it in the future, but they want to see what these guys have. So that's why you've seen Michael Carter, too, out there a lot. That's why you've seen some of the other guys out there a lot. Uh, and I think that's what you'll continue to see, perhaps even into early stages of training camp. Uh, I don't know if the Jets are going to go out before training camp and get a cornerback. It wouldn't surprise me if they did. But it, if they didn't, it'll be because they want to take an extended look at these guys. And, and with, I think, a little bit longer or more practices, obviously, in training camp this year because there's fewer preseason games. They might have a little bit more of a chance to do that and maybe feel more comfortable bringing in a guy after the first preseason game. But obviously, the market's going to dictate how that all works out, and, and the Jets have to be mindful of that as well. So you know, by the time that they need to sign a veteran, there's one there for them to sign. Speaking of positions where the Jets need to sign a veteran, not a great day for James Morgan and Mike White, and also not a great day for you, Andy, because you were talking about how Mike White was the number two quarterback. Today, the Jets flipped it, and I think they did it just to spite you. Well, I think it just goes to show that none of us really know what we're talking about when we're trying to break <laughs> down you know, practices in May and, and June. Well, now that it's June, you know, now that we've flipped the switch to June, I can say maybe it's a little bit more definitive, but I'm just going to blame it on all that football I watched in May, and I just had a bad read on it. But yeah, as soon as I said that that Mike White looked like he had a little bit of an edge because he'd been working with with the number twos. Today we show up at practice, and James Morgan is working with the number twos. And after I said that both of them had looked pretty good, they both had their worst practice 
by far of this spring. So um, it's still early days. And the same thing I said about Zach Wilson goes with both of those guys. But if anything today confirms a few things that we already knew is that the Jets are probably going to have to bring in a veteran quarterback and that Zach Wilson is better than both of his backups, which is an encouraging sign considering the Jets used a number two overall pick on him. And that the defense is adjusting and and they're going to have good days and they're going to have some days where they make the quarterbacks look bad. So for Zach Wilson looking bad, it's, it's a pretty decent day. And, but when Mike, Mike White and James Morgan look bad, it it looks really bad. So uh, that's what you can take away from this. And, you know, let's see if they can kind of show something in the next two weeks before we take this break before training camp. But either way, I still think the Jets are going to have to go into the season with at least somebody who is more established in case there's a situation where they have to enter a game. Andy, you talked about how Robert Salas spoke with you guys before practice. Then after practice, it was Jeff Ulbrich, Elijah Moore, and Jared Davis. Was there anything else that Salah and Ulbrich said that you didn't allude to yet. I know that Salas specifically said something about Morgan Moses coming in for a visit. And then anything from Elijah Moore and Jared Davis that's worthwhile. Okay, so we'll start with Salah. And basically, he confirmed that Moses did come in for a visit, which was good to know. And then he just said that the Jets' philosophy is that they're not going to turn down opportunities to bring in good players. Uh, But then he said when pressed a little bit further on it that, you know, Joe Douglas is going to be the half the guy have to be the guy who answers questions about that. And of course we're not scheduled to talk to Joe Douglas anytime soon. So not a whole lot of new information there other than the fact that Morgan Moses did come in for a visit. Uh, but what happens next is your, your guess is as good as mine at this point, because, we just don't have any extra information on that, but they're, they're kicking the tires on him. And, and as I pointed out earlier this week, for good reason, they need the depth on the offensive line and they do need an insurance policy in case Makai Becton is injured. Another interesting thing that, that Robert Salas said today involved kind of his coaching philosophy and just kind of a confirmation of what I've seen and, and what we've seen from him in San Francisco he is, he is an intense guy, and on game days you will see him yelling a lot. But when you see the yelling and the intensity, it's not him getting angry with players. It's him getting excited about their success. And his philosophy is not uh, to give out butt-chewings, is the, the term that he used today. <laughs> his, his philosophy is, is to be encouraging, and he's a calm guy in practice. And Jeff Ulbrich is also an intense guy, but again – they are all about constructive criticism and pumping their guys up. And when mistakes are made, you know, trying to figure out how to learn from them, not about yelling at these guys. And, and that's obviously on the defensive side of the ball, a, a large departure from what we saw from Greg Williams. And I think it's a constructive way to coach. And ultimately we'll see how the jets do on the field. Cause that's going to be, what determines if it's a constructive way to coach, but it's definitely a change of pace and, and something new. Uh, Some things that Jeff Ulbrich said that, that I found to be interesting 
first of all, he talked a little bit about Quinn and Williams and, and how he sees him fitting into the defense and just being a guy who uh, Ulbrick just wants to be able to unleash him uh, playing in the three technique and, and really turn him loose on the quarterback regularly. So I think that's something that should be exciting to Jets fans because they're going to want to see Quinn and Williams be really aggressive. And I know the role that he played in the last defense was a lot of times more of a, I don't want to say decoy, but more of a dirty work kind of guy who made guys jobs easier around him. But it sounds like they have, you know, a much more aggressive inside pass rushing role set up for him this season. And that's going to be, you know, very interesting to watch. And I think something that Jets fans should be excited about. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else Ulbrich said. He talked for 15 minutes, so there was a lot of good stuff. But that that was one of the things that jumped out to me the most. And just going back to Jared Davis, he talked about his time in Detroit. And obviously he was a guy who came out and made a, a, a decent impact as a rookie, but then kind of was basically cut out of the Detroit's defensive system because they, they stopped believing him. And he never really understood why he said it was a tough time for him the last season in Detroit, basically having his redu- his role reduced to nothing, but that he learned from it. Um, and, and it was interesting to, to hear him say what he learned from it. A lot of times you hear guys say that like they didn't take it seriously enough, but Davis said that he took it seriously enough. He took it too seriously to the point where football was like his entire identity. And he was putting so much pressure on himself that he wasn't able to really function. And, and he's taken a more balanced approach to being a person and being a football player and, and realizing that, you know, football isn't everything for him and he doesn't have to, have a success and that's kind of freed him up. It's not, he said his focus hasn't waned. He doesn't want it any less, but he's letting it happen instead of trying to force it to happen. And I mean, I find I'm, I'm fascinated by sports psychology and that kind of aspect of it. And I think that's a very healthy mindset and, and the mindset of a guy who's figured something out. Of course, we'll find out when when he plays some meaningful snaps, but I I thought that was very encouraging. And then Elijah Moore talked about, he was an interesting answer from him that kind of shows how mature he is and and how savvy of a veteran he, he already is in terms of answering questions. He was asked how good can this offense be, you know, cause he's had some nice moments in practice already. And he was asked to kind of project ahead and like, do you, do you start thinking about how good this offense can be? And he's like, honestly, I'm just trying to stay where my feet are right now. And I don't think about that at all. And I thought, you know, that's not the answer we want, obviously, but I think it's a pretty smart answer and, and pretty good perspective from a rookie who very easily could have said something right there. Like, well, I think we could be the best offense in the NFL, which would be taken the wrong way at this point. So uh, I think, you know, you're getting to know a little bit more about who Elijah Moore is obviously as a receiver and, and the skills he possesses. He's, he's very fast, great analysis there. I know, but um, he's also seems to be a pretty mature dude and, and, and seems to get it. And I think the jets have selected a lot of guys like that. And, and that is only going to help them kind of 
figure this thing out moving forward. Andy Vasquez covering the Jets for NorthJersey.com. Thanks so much for coming on and recapping today's OTA. As always, really appreciate it. One dollar gets you six months of coverage unlimited over at NorthJersey.com, including Andy's coverage. So make sure you do that. Great local journalism to support. And again, it's only one dollar. So fantastic deal. Take advantage of it while it lasts and go over there and check out Andy's work. Andy, you got plenty of stuff up right now, right? Yeah, I've got all the news from today, including everything you need to know about the Jameson Crowder situation and the Mackay Becton situation. Uh, for anyone who came to the website looking today for that five moves that could make the Jets better before training camp or into training camp, I apologize. My editor threw a curveball, and that will be going on Monday, so something for you to look forward to uh, for subscribers only. I would encourage you to check it out and, and invest that dollar because, I, you know, I think I'm a worth at least a dollar for my coverage. I mean, it's pretty good, and, and that's a pretty good deal, so a dollar for six months. There's going to be a lot of good stuff coming. Um, I don't think you'll regret it. And if you do regret it, you, my email is on the bottom of every story and you can let me know. And, and my Twitter handles down there too. So I, I, I see that stuff and I will respond if you're, uh, if you're nice about it. So, and any suggestions and all that stuff, please check it out. But yeah, we'll have full coverage next week of all the OTA uh, the final week of OTAs for, for Jets fans kind of wondering how that's going to go. We're going to be out there on Tuesday and Thursday, and I'm not sure yet which day we'll have interviews afterwards, but that's just a little preview of what to expect next week. So some more stuff coming on Tuesday and Thursday after those practices. And then the week after that, the big mandatory mini camp where we should see everyone on the field. And that should be very interesting and a very good preview of training camp. So a lot of exciting stuff coming up for Jets fans. Would just like to note that at $1 for six months, it's about 15 cents a month to get unlimited access. And you know what they say, Andy, the customer is always right. And I'm a subscriber now, which means that if you and I argue about something, I'm automatically right because I'm a customer. And you can be right too if you subscribe $1 for six months. Anytime Andy makes a point that you disagree with, you just write to him, say, Andy, I disagree. Here's my point, and I'm right because I'm the customer. And you're automatically correct. All you got to do, 99 cents, six months, and you're all set. Plus, you can check out what we're doing at playlikeajet.com. A great article by Will Greenan about the whole situation with Jamison Crowder is up right now. We've got new videos up on our YouTube channel, so check that out, including some clips from our latest episode of Play Like a Jet Live in conjunction with You Stadium, hosted by Luke Grant and Clayton Smarslock, plus Luke Grant's film reviews of Zach Wilson, Michael Carter, Elijah Moore, and others, and Kayla Pace's commentaries, Pace's playbook. And if you haven't given us a five-star review on the podcast on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us, really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com.